1: Tommy, tell us a little bit about your story. You actually went
2: to school in pool. Go all the way back. You were born in Germany, right? Yes, yeah, so I'm a I'm a black German, Sprechese Deutsch, so be careful out there talking. <laughs> all right. um, I was born in Nuremberg, Germany. My father was a military man, also a pastor. Yes, thank you so much. Um, uh, we're an army family. My mother's an evangelist and a school teacher, so I, I I didn't really have a lot. I couldn't draw out of the lines growing up. Just stay inside. But um, I had an both sides,
1: mom and dad.
2: Oh, they didn't play in that belt. <laughs> I, I was familiar with whoopings, you know. So I stayed in line a little bit. And then as life continues, life goes off, uh, we moved to Colleen, Texas, which is in uh, Fort Hood, Texas. They just changed the name of that base. But as Colleen, Texas, that's where I got a chance to learn and to navigate I went off to, in Colleen, Texas, to become uh, the number one player in the nation. To get, I could have went to any college of choice I wanted to go to. I picked to go to the University of Oklahoma, where I was the first uh, to start as a freshman in the history of the school, mm-hmm. and uh, I did three years there. I was up for the Vince Lombardi twice. I won it once, and I got drafted my third year. I only did three years of college, and I left as a first-round draft pick for Levy Smith the Chicago Bears yes
1: awesome and uh fun
2: yes i played there chicago bear uh a couple years had some great season pro bowl seasons there with them and uh while i was in uh the league i was still finishing school i fell in love with education big time so i went back got my master's degree in executive business and I also have a degree in communication and minor in theology so, uh, yeah, I'd have just to do that for yeah. Just a, just a few, yeah,
1: over but, fever.
2: Yeah, but my, my, my greatest um, degree now that I feel like I'm fulfilled in, uh, at this point in my life, I'm 40 years old, and they asked me what do I do for a living now, and I'm a hope dealer. I get to travel the world and give hope to, wow. to, to people that have been through devastating um, devastating things so you want me to finish that part keep going okay you want me to rile up on it? uh yeah the
1: first couple <laughs> chapters you'll be in tears i can tell you
2: yeah if i was light-skinned i'd be red right now you know <laughs> <laughs> you know i kind of like when you're on the stage and it's dark out there You can just, but you know intimate moment calls for intimate conversation but uh as i begin to go and play uh chicago bears i met a beautiful uh young lady and after my fifth year we got married I what well, we got engaged and uh, my last year I, I went to San Diego I had a cup of coffee there I played one season in San Diego it was the worst football the city's nice but football is not coming from Chicago to San Diego they didn't care anything about football they had surfboards while we were going to the stadium they were going to the ocean so it was a difference in you know in 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 uh the, the tradition and the in the culture, but as I was in San Diego, I was going through a miserable season just just but I was gutting it out with my team. I didn't really like the team, but I committed to these guys, and I wanted to see it through so like a week before our last game, I was in prayer and God said to me me and my wife me and my fiance had been together for a while and God said, "No more, just you got to get married and I was like, what?" Yeah, get married. So that week, I literally planned the wedding. Last season, last game, she never saw it coming. But I brought all the pastors. I brought everybody I wanted in. So she just thought they were going to the game. But we ended up having a big wedding.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, with all my intimate friends and different things. Forty-one days from there, my wife goes off to have a, a routine breast reduction surgery, and she is. Uh, she says she's going to meet me in Oklahoma. She's gonna meet me in Oklahoma uh, for Valentine's Day after she has her breast reduction surgery because she wanted to get beautiful. For she was already beautiful, but she we had just had another baby. She had wanted to. We were gonna have that. This was January first, so J- July eighth was supposed to be the big wedding. So throughout that time, she goes forty one days from January first. We go off, and she tries to have a breast reduction surgery. Um. It, it's still kind of no matter how much i think i am I'm, I'm over it going back into it does something but um how, i remember How many kids
1: did you have with her
2: two kids? at that time i had uh my daughter was three months and my son was four so at that time uh we get married uh After the San Diego versus Oakland game, she flies off to Oklahoma. I talked to her that morning while I'm in Chicago. I'm flying to meet her in Oklahoma for Valentine's Day, but I'm gonna make a pit stop in Killeen, Texas to see my mom and dad and sister before I fly over to Oklahoma. On the flight, I talk to her, we pray. I get on the plane and I'm riding on a plane. Me and this gentleman is having a great conversation the whole time. I'm bragging about my family. He's bragging about his family. He says he owns the Austin Jet Company. Yeah, right. Why you in America, right? Like (laughs) I love him just talking, you know, but we're having a good time. He said, if you ever need anything, just call me. I was like, sure. And you're yeah. like, why are you up here? Yeah, like, if you only your own J Company. But I never said it out loud. I'm just like, sure, everybody lies on the plane. Like, it's like two hours, you know, you can say anything to anybody. So I'm sitting there, and I take his card. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll never call you again. But I got your card. I put it in my pocket. We say our farewells. About time I get to the baggage claim, my phone rings and the hospital calls from Oklahoma, and they say, Tommy, your wife stopped breathing on the table. I'm like, what are you talking about? No way, we just talked on the flight. Like, I just talked to her before I boarded the flight. He said, Tommy, no, you got to hurry up and get to Oklahoma. She stopped breathing. I said, so what does that mean? They say you need to hurry up and get here. So I look around and and for that moment I was just you know that 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 blindsided that being just you have nothing no answer no you don't know what to do and that's it I, 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 there you go he gonna tell it for me
1: huh?
2: <laughs> yeah so I, I look around and I try I'm looking at all the uh, you know the flight monitors see if any no flight look like it. It can get out to Oklahoma, so I rush to the counter. I say, "Ma'am, is there anything that you guys could do that my my wife stopped breathing on the table?" She was like, "No, sir. There's no more flights. There's we can't do anything." So lo and behold, I was sitting there, and I just reached in my right pocket, and there goes the card. Hmm. And I call the guy, and I say, uh, "I say, sir, you know that that family we just bragged about was talking about?" I say, ma'am, my wife stopped breathing." He's like, what do you mean? I said, I need a jet. There's nothing that can get me out. He said, well, Tommy, uh, where are you going? I said, Colleen. It was about 40 minutes from Austin. He said, there will be a jet waiting for you. In that moment, I knew I'm a big believer in a higher power. And in that moment, I, I knew that God had something for me in this. And my job was to see it through. I didn't like it, hated everything about it. But I realized that sometimes God takes you through some things to grow you through some things. And the making of something, the process of being made is sometimes difficult when you're being made. But I knew from football, I knew that this was not football. I, God that My mother did not birth me here to tackle people. <laughs> she did it. Like God made me to tackle tough things. People that are going through not wanting to get out of bed, depression, anxiety, uh, divorces, loss of finances. That's what I'm here to tackle. I'm here to bring the world together through my my struggle. The reason I came up with Endure, I feel like my wife saved me because I, if I don't lose my wife, I go off in this happy world of. Thinking I'm doing everything right and everything's going my way and I got all the money, but the humblest thing in my life happened when she was on the ventilator, and I was the first in the NFL to make 10 million per season as a defensive hear? line position,
1: D- d-line.
2: In a hundred-year sport, I was the first to ever make. Uh, so, th- so, and I don't say this stuff to brag. I just say that you were blessed. I was blessed, but I also. No one's untouchable. I don't care if you make a billion dollars today. You better remember that you're not rich enough to buy tomorrow. So in the process of all of this, I love Laurel so much because I'm more into enrichness. Uh, in I, I need people like her to take care of that part of my life. I don't really play there anymore, and and in in my league of of where I come from, people are snakes. They know you don't know, and they're not giving you a chance to find out. They're gonna take advantage of what you know. So you need people like I thank God I ran into this lady. Things was falling apart, and she is kind of. And and it is hard being such a great athlete and having to learn from a pre K level something. Right. To have the courage to say, well, when she asked, do you have your LLC or is your is this connected to the Holdings company? And to really be honest and say, I don't know what you talk about. (laughs) But that's how you show up as a novice. Right. And the same steps I took to become a great football player. I know I'm segwaying a little bit, but I'll be back to the hospital. This is like a stretch. It's refreshing to jump out of here real quick. But I, I, I know that this this thing has some way. Help me put everything in some context that we all need one another. I don't, I don't care who you are, what color, what, what you're, we all can learn something. Just like Laurel said, hey, don't just sit in, don't stay parked in one place. Someone needs you. Right. Like what's crazy is I sat next to a guy that's in this room on a plane and something said, talk to him, but he wasn't really given talking. So we've been running each other all day in here. We finally came in here. I said, wow, <laughs> this is so crazy. Like, you know, there you go. Yeah, i wasn't going to say nothing. But you you, you just never know, you never know what everybody's needing, what people are going, unless you say hi. How are you? Go ahead, Laura. I don't know if I'm...
1: No, you are jamming.
2: Okay, jamming on the one. Yeah. So yes. I, I just
1: you, want... I just want to share just your insights about care and hope. So we met, and I don't know if you guys know, I'm going through this extraordinary fun divorce right now. Um, and so we went one-on-one and just went off just to talk after we met in Fab's room. And that's the first thing he said, your eyes are sad. He didn't know anything about me. He didn't know who I was. I mean, I, I don't know. I might've talked by then, but, and even on the phone, like when I called you a few weeks ago, you're like, I can hear it in your voice. Still. I mean, he's, yeah. You, you all just, but I, I've been through yeah I, I, I,
2: I know what the real, yeah. The real value is, is us helping one another. It, it, we can all walk around here and act like I do this, and this. you could be the loneliest person in the world, but you act like you got it all together. And you, I, I, I had a chance to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, and it took me five days to get. And, and this thing changed my life. After I pulled a cord on my wife, I made a promise to God that I will give attention, and I will serve the day till I leave this place. Every person that's breathing without a monitor. I'll make sure they know that they're love, that they're safe, and that tomorrow you can do this one more day. That's all I'm here to do, to encourage the people. It's so refreshing to watch people who think they know everything. Like, how is this happening right now? You can't explain it, but it's happening. And it's trying to get people to get the max value out of the inhale and the exhale. When you go home, just go look at your loved ones. Go look at someone. Don't argue. Don't fight. Just take a chance to watch how amazing it is that they don't even they have the worst attitude in the world. I just look at him. Like, he doesn't even know God is moving. And once you bring consciousness to it, you start making yourself a great breather. Endure is about playing through life's hardest hit. Don't just go through, but grow through. We're actually breathing through whatever your it is, you are breathing through it. I don't care how bad it is, what it was, you got is one more chance. You're making it. It's not a machine doing this because all I hear is dingy, dingy, ding. I can't get that out of my mind. So I know problems are showing you. If you have prime, I'm so refreshed when I hear people going through stuff because I say, you know, that's a living person problem, right? it. <laughs> yeah, cool. sounds like music to me because I know what it sounds a bad day is when a hearse is pulling up in front of your house a bad day is when a doctor walks in the room and says you, you have three months left so we keep everything in perspective there's an old man, I love this story there's it, an old man that comes out to his porch every day, he's about 73 years old at this time, retired He grabs his newspaper, takes his coffee every morning, and he gets out on his porch, and he runs out. And right as he's running out of his porch, he steps into something. He looks down. He's 73 at this time. He looks up, and he see a big old German shepherd take off. He said, you know what? I thought about it. He said, this isn't the first time this happened to me in my life. He said, I used to chase and run and scream and get mad and kick it all over. He said, but at this particular time, I said, I can't catch this dog, and I'm too old, and I really just want to sit here and drink my coffee and sit down. He said, so the old man, through his wisdom, he finally looked down at his shoe, and he said, wow, what a beautiful brow. Well, you can understand, life becomes all about perspective. How are you seeing things? How do you want to see this? And in this, you give yourself patience through the process. You allow yourself to know, who said I had all the answers? Who said I knew? Who said I had to have this all figured out? And when I do that for myself, I allow myself an opportunity to grow, not just go through things, not just be a human doing, but a human being. Yes, sir.
1: So Take us back to the finale, if you would. How long did she live once you got off the plane and got there?
2: So when I got there, um, for three days, the world was in this fight with me. Uh, All the teammates, all the churches, all the... So for three days, I watched her face changed. I watched... I knew that it it was... I just kept believing, believing, believing. And a doctor came in and he said, uh, well, Tommy, we're going to have to put... uh, we're going to have to put cords in the feet or organs. So I'm thinking there's still potential. There's time. There's, uh, I'm going off in the chapel, in the chapel's caddy corner to her room. And on the third day, I start seeing uh, about seven families start coming in different rooms. And I didn't know what was going on. Uh, my marketing my marketing guy comes in and he says, uh, he said, Tommy, have you seen this? I say, no, what? He shows me his phone. He says... Uh, all pro-Tommy Harris' wife passes away from a brain aneurysm. I found this out on the internet while she was in that room. I said, where's the doctor at? Bring him in right now. Like, uh. So he comes in and the doctor, I say, what, what is this about? What, he said, I told you day one that she's gray matter. I say, so what does that mean? I, you should have known that she's brain. I said, wow. So every human that was coming in, the seven families, they all have a piece of my wife's organ. Yeah, it's a bittersweet story, but I learned to, I learned that no matter what color you are, if if I was dying, you're not gonna ask. Is it not a black heart or a white heart that's gonna save my life? <laughs> is it can you save my life? Is the question. So it's a lot of maturity I had to learn that that and my promise from that part. I think about organs and our body. I made a promise that God, as long as you play my organs, I'ma sing the sweetest song you ever heard.
1: Good.
2: I'm telling you for real. And knowing that your organ, your your life, can save someone else, and even if it doesn't get that drastic, start encouraging people. Start speaking up on. Start letting people know. In this society now, if you don't notice, everyone's going isolated. Building their own brands. Like, how are we gonna have companies where everyone has their own brand? Who's group working together? Who's coming together and everyone's going off in these little isolations and I'm watching people struggle in silence? When I need you, you need me. I like that orange shirt. You see how easy that was? <laughs> huh? I like that. It's just being able to speak into people. We need one another. And I'm telling you, I don't want you to believe me later. Please. Try. Like, practice. I had to realize, how did I get so good in football? I had to show up every day and practice. If I want to be good at love, I got to practice love. If I want to be good at finances, I have to find a place to practice what this is all about. And practice. Practice, whatever it is in this world you want to be great at, rep it out. I didn't like talking in front of people, but I started working in little at the cash register at the gas station. Um, how you doing today, man? <laughs> I knew I could sit there and act like nobody exists, but I know one day I want to do this for real. So, how about I get a rep? Let me get a rep. Let me let me go hug a little kid and and see how they react to. Okay getting a rep. I want to be better at this thing. So I'm showing up every day. What are you repping to get better at? And this all comes down because my wife, Ashley, taught me how to endure. I believe that I, that moment in my life transitioned everything to teach me how to not waste time and take advantage of every opportunity and be grateful for everything God gives
1: you. Mm. Amen. Thank you. So, t- so Tommy, you go from having a funeral, now being a single dad, talk about those moments, and then fast forward to your beautiful new wife, Tosh, who I met. Yeah, so... And, uh, um, you have, what, total of four kids, five kids?
2: She has three and I have three.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. and we lost one, remember? Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, so I, you want to talk about
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I brought, you know I brought him here. I mean, not just for a great story. But you guys are going to need to endure. Like, I mean, you're going to run into projects that are going to cause every hurdle, and most people quit. And this isn't about quitting, ever. This is finding that community which is here financially for you, business for you. You're going to have all sorts of struggles. Are you going to go outside of here to find the answer? Are you going to trust that we are a collective community, not segregating, we're coming together?
2: There's a chapter in that book that speaks about it called Who's in Your Huddle? And it's identifying your huddle. Like most people thought I was the, in the NFL, I was known as the, I had the fastest get-off. I mean, I can jump, I can get across the line faster than a quarterback, could backpedal out of there. So most cornerbacks love me on my team because I could get the ball out real quick and make a decent cornerback look like a an all-star. <laughs> but my secret was, everyone thought it was just so, my get-off was super fast. No, I just paid attention to details. Growing up in Germany, I had to learn how to read people's lips to try to understand. So if your huddle wasn't closed throughout a game, and you say on one, on one, on two, on two, and the huddle wasn't closed, I'm in your huddle. So when you say on two, it's on two for me. But most guys didn't pay attention to the details. The only the thing that made Peyton Manning and Tom Brady the greatest, they managed their huddles the whole. You, it's Fort Knox. You, every play they were in, the, you did not know where he was at. You couldn't get a cheek hole. And that's what I learned in business, was learning how to surround yourself with the proper huddle. And you also got to learn when to make cuts. If you keep getting blindsided and hit by things, as much as I like you, I'm getting tore up back here. And you have to make the proper changes and make sure that when you get the proper huddle, that you keep it tight. And what is that? Showing up to practice. Getting a rep in with one another. Asking questions. Want to learn, hey, you know about this? You know about, hey, well, let's learn about it. It's, it's being that network of friends. Who's in your huddle is a very, that's a. Oh, uh, that's a
1: great chapter. Yeah. So in our, our words would be your huddles, your mastermind. Your huddle's your coach. The large huddle's this whole community coming together. So you all get to serve more people and have more. So, talk about those first, like, because that had to have been some different lessons. Like, you went home to be a single dad. Yeah. Like, what, what inside of you did you have to kind of muster up every day to keep those kids? Because you could have been just a depressed dad and gone home and.
2: Yeah. for
1: years, and you got kids to raise. Baby. So
2: so like I tell you, the first thing I had to do was recognize this is going to be difficult.
1: And you quit, right? You quit the league at that point? Yes.
2: I walked away from football because I I had great coaches that knew that the game of – life was bigger than the game of football. And I had – it didn't matter. I mean, I was at tip-top shape. I was running three – four-minute miles. Like, I was sprinting every – I was ready to come back and play. But no coach would – none of my coaches – I was mad at first, but I didn't understand. I got over it after. But I had a coach named Rob Marinelli. He's one of the best defensive line coaches. But he was a man first. And he said, Tommy, what kind of coach would – he was in the Dallas Cowboys. I was back in Texas. So I'm like, I know for sure I can go and play in Dallas. He said, no. He said, you need to you need to take care of those children. And he said, if something happens to you, tell me these kids don't have a parent, and you did this just for ball, you got enough money. He said, love on these kids and go heal your heart and play that game. He said, that's the real game.
1: What a great man.
2: A great, great man. Yeah. Great man. Romero Nellie, uh, he taught me a lot of different things.
1: What else did he teach you? Um,
2: stick cotton in your ears.
1: Stick cotton in
2: your ears. Oh, he was a trench. You ever know, you ever heard of the trench, uh, World War II, the trench guy? Yeah. He was one of them. So Rod Marinelli would come in in the morning and ask you, how you doing? And you'll say, well, I'm going, nobody gives a shit. He, he was a mental guy. Oh, uh, He didn't care. He said, nobody cares. How You think people really care when they ask you? Let me ask you Yeah, I'm over here. I yes. uh, healed from football. Football is a cold. Like, that's, uh, you know. But Rod Merlin taught me to stick cotton in your ears. And sticking cotton in your ears is very important to a defensive lineman, but I use it in real life because when someone – in sticking cotton in your ears mean that no matter what this person's like, when you hear you jump off sides because you're listening to the count. You're not watching what's happening. So, stick cotton in your ear allows you to see what's see people's footwork instead of hearing wordplay.
1: Mm. Action versus yeah, word.
2: I love you, but you never move.
1: Right. You don't. Yeah.
2: Right. Uh, if you, you can only me see
1: how you are, you really don't give a
2: crap. How are you doing? And you're just moving on to the next subject. But sticking cotton in your ear allows you to really see. You're not listening to so many words, you're, you're watching people's feet move.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm. Okay,
1: so God wasn't done teaching you endure.
2: No, I'm still endure is my life. No, I know. So,
1: but I'd like let's move on to Tasha, the baby, and hey, come on, come on, bring
2: you it. Gonna tee it up, or you want? No, you. Um. So now at this point, I'm with a beautiful woman that I was with since, uh, since
1: she's awesome.
2: I've known her in high school, but she taped my ankles in high school. She was two years older than me. We never thought we were tall. I was fat. She was fat. It's, it, like. No, it was just not one of them things we would... I wasn't attracted to her. She wasn't attracted to me. We were just cool. And <laughs> some I started a hair salon uh, after I retired. And in her spare time, she likes to do um, decorating. And after that, uh, she came in, decorated, and we just caught back up in life. And one thing led to another. And I have a beautiful doctor now. Yeah, you do. She yeah, as something. a partner. And um, not just a doctor, but she's a, just
1: a... Great soul,
2: a great, a great person, and I, I just tells you that no matter what you're going through, I've just committed to hold her hand and grow through this. And and my journey, the rest of my life, is just to go and to deal hope to someone that feels like tomorrow when they don't want to be here tomorrow, or they or they can't get out of bed, or they can't. Uh, why am I doing this? Because I fell in a place of nihilism, depression, anxiety, and the reason I speak, I speak most. I believe in mental well. That's where I need it because uh, my head was in a million places, and if it wasn't for the grace of God. I don't think I could sit here and be rooted into something that is. I trust God. I don't. I don't. And I'm sorry if that offends anybody, but I need Him. It, it helps me together. Um, but. I want to tell this quick story about Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. So after losing my wife, I had a chance to go to Mount Kilimanjaro, and I told you it took me five days to get up something, and it took me three hours to get down. And it really, on this mountain, if you ever get a chance to do it, if you haven't done it, um, there's a five-day hike and a ten-day hike. But you learn the spirit of acclimation. And when you're acclimated, that means... You can go to the top and you can go right back down to the bottom. You could go to the top, you can go to the bottom. You good with the people back home on the porch, you're good with the people at the White House. You good down here with the, you can deal with it at once, but you gotta do the work. Every step was like this. The first five days. If I opened my gate longer than this, my lungs would explode. The journey of the mountain literally had to invite me up it. And you had to respect the process of the mountain. If I was a native of Tanzania, what what takes me five days to get up, they can get up and down in nine hours. They're acclimated. And you tell me, I'm a football, I went up there with Ray Lewis, the owner of Under Armour, we had all these jacked up guys, and it was little guys weighing about 130 pounds, carrying our sleeping tent. And they were acclimated, so they could go up and down, as they pleased, but we had to do this, and every step, our guard would say, pole, pole. Every day, you would hear that all day for five days. Pole, pole, where are you rushing on life's mountain? Enjoy the views. <laughs> so where are you rushing on life's mountain? Are you too busy that you can't see your children needing you? Are you too busy that you can't see a friend that, that I don't know how he committed suicide? You were too busy. And if you slow down, someone can use you. I don't care what you're feeling about yourself, someone could use your help. But when we get in isolation, we believe that we, I know I'm going through this, no, there's a kid out here. I just left, um, my book has just been put in all the geo prisons. I have a program called Endure, for all prisons reform. And these, we just did a serving event in Florida yesterday, and all these kids' lives were changed just by coming there and slowing down. I didn't know a touch could touch could change a man's heart that's been in behind bars for 17 years, and no one even gives them eye contact. Or I didn't know little stuff. We have little kids that just got over from from Haiti. While we were praying, I, one of the little kids put his hands in my pocket, and I was like, "What the like? What what?" He put his hands in my pocket and his eyes was closed during prayer. I said, dang. I said, Jack, why would why would this guy put his hand in my pocket? He said he don't want to go home. He doesn't want you to leave him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We all need it's deeper than being all this this stuff. Mm -hmm. But if we could just learn, pole in Swahili, pole, pole means to slow down. Where are you rushing on life, Mountain? What what took me, when we got to the top, we summited. I saw all the biggest views, but guess what's at the top? You can only stay at the top of this mountain for two minutes, or you're going to freeze to death. And the issue with most of us is that we get elevated so high in life that we don't come down. And we stay up here and we get so cold hearted. We can't relate to people down at this level. We don't know what they're talking about. We're so far and distant. I did better. I went to Harvard. I went to Yale. It's not about, it's about sharing your journey with others. Inspiring because, hey, I made it up there. Maybe you should see what I saw on day three out there. Maybe, man, the views look different. Sleeping under the stars and and you be able to talk and encourage people throughout the process. But you got to go through the process and get acclimated. And that's slowing down, seeing people moment by moment, minute by minute. And when we start in this real thing, I'm talking about God does something inside that no man can take away. No man can steal. No man can can talk you out of it. You just know that you know that you know. You know. And I know from this day forward, my job is to go tell it on the mountain, hey, that you'll make it. You' are gonna be all right. You'll be. I know this happened, but you got to get back up. So many people depending on you, but you first must go through life's process and slow down. All right, that's what I got, and I see the time.
1: So, I'm gonna take you a place you might not want to go, but we're gonna go. So, he, um, you lost a child. So now he lost his wife. Also, has gone through the the death of a child. I don't know how many of you have ever outliving your children is uh I, I couldn't imagine it so and i know a lot of people who have how did you not get angry and pissed off and like i mean at some point during all of this like you it has been brought to you right what you've gone through like what are some of the like was a prayer was it god the whole time i mean at some point weren't you but angry? Like, like yes like, I, I still i have mom, i'm human yeah. So I, I have multiple... Let me talk through that, because you all have that, You're like, where you just like... But you could get angry, but
2: what is it going to do? Yeah. You could look in the mirror and see your face balled up and it's been three years. You're like, I'm tired of looking ugly. <laughs> so what you're going to look... You're going to learn how can I endure this thing? Mm-hmm. How do I... I know I have a son depending on me. A daughter. I still have life here. Mm-hmm. And God had to show me that, Tommy, I didn't put a bum bed in the casket. You didn't go. She did. You, have still, you still have to finish the work. We're all here running in life's race. We're all here, and our job is to endure to the end. That's what God calls us to endure. Run the race. Everybody has their own race. And I've learned that my kids are depending on me to continue to keep moving. I have people that are where I've changed so many marriages. Cause I was like that guy, like God. Why didn't you let that happen to my friend? Then I would have got it right and did. So I, I, I have a lot of friends that come to me and say, Tommy, man, since the day that's happened, you changed my life. I hold my wife different. I go home and talk to my kids different. I go home. So don't think you just took a loss. He said, man, you've allowed a lot of people to win, if they've been focusing. And I remember, I've, I've learned that through the process that one man's obedience. Is connected to so many other people's destiny. Mm-hmm. So I know that if I, if, I, if I make this selfish and all about me, no one gets help. But if I can go and get help and make this about everyone else, because I have to get help because I have kids, I have a mom, I have sisters waiting, everyone begins to learn from me, my vulnerability to get help. To realize I don't have all the answers. I don't know that I'm not gonna stay in this sorry condition of feeling bad for myself, not getting up from this place. I must find out how to win. Mm. Endure.
1: Yeah. So talk about the book. I love so use football metaphors throughout. So it's a it's an easy read except for the emotional part.
2: With the first four chapters. Yeah. yeah, but then it takes off it takes off. Yeah,
1: but it's fun So talk about just your journey of writing the book like from finding the huddle to just the Process of you putting words to paper. It's not as easy as everybody thinks
2: no, It's not easy. It's like pulling open a scab. That's what I was talking about in that video We cut it short because that's a one of my friends got rushed to the hospital yesterday for a heart my video uh, guy and on my way here, he sent me, he said, man, I, the doctor said I was about to die and all this. I just want to show you what I got on the documentary so far, just in case something don't happen. So he asked me, do you have any? I said, well, I'll shoot, I'll give you a little short that they're finishing on me. But um, my...
1: Hmm? Go ahead. So the journey for the book. Yeah. Did, did you want to write it? Did Nick ask you to write it? How'd the book come about?
2: No, the, I was saying all that because... My video photographer guy, Jay, he pushed me to take a leap of faith, mm. and he said, "Bro, you know you're going around telling all this stuff wrong. I don't like being on camera, right? I, I'm I'm not a salesman, and she knows that. I, I promise, I'm better at a barbecue or at a, a in your living room or at church either. But trying to merge it together with it, it becomes a lot. But oh,
1: all these people, I, I said, you're going to go up there by yourself. No, no I, I'm, I'm not go up by myself. But there's a <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm not afraid to come up here by myself. I just don't. I don't like flabbergastic talk, like just wasting. I just wanted to hang
1: out with you.
2: Yeah, I, I feel comfortable. Yeah, out. we could. Right. Okay. So this book <laughs> came about. A friend challenged me to go ahead and um, do what I've been doing. Doing business school, I was right. I just been writing. I'm already on my second book called Only Time Will Tell. But this book here was just a. a it was like the finishing point of that. I'm not gonna feel sorry for myself anymore. I've I've sat in this long enough. It's been seven years, and especially when you're losing a loved one. You're trying to respect their family, like you can't. I didn't want to hurry up and get married because I didn't want to feel like I was over what. I... It was just a lot in the process of acclamation. So this book just challenged me to go and and be brave enough to to take a leap of faith. And and once you're done with this book, you're not gonna feel the when I finished writing that book, there it became a scar. The pain didn't hurt anymore. It's like I laid everything out on the table, and it's step by steps of things that helped me get through dealing with my pain and, and my different situations.
0: Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.